Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. It's Sunday, which means tomorrow is Monday, which means... Who's excited about Monday? Monday, going to work. Yeah. Spring break, somebody. Anybody spring break in it? Okay, some are really excited about Monday. (laughs) I mean, you got a brand new week of work ahead of you guys. Yeah. You know where we're going this morning. We're talking about loving God at work. And so some of you, you're, I can feel it right now, you're counting down the hours till you spring out of bed and head on into the office or head on to the job site or heading to the classroom. Some of you, you're dealing with dread right now and you're thinking, how do I go back in? How do I muster up the energy and strength to do what I've got to do? I've got some video clips to get us rolling this morning. So of these clips, just try to figure out if you identify with any of these clips or any of these characters Okay, so four maybe familiar movies. What are you doing? Uh, uh, I'm cutting vegetables. I'm cutting the vegetables. No, you wasted energy and time. Isn't cooking is a cute job, eh? Like mommy in the kitchen. Well, mommy never had to face the dinner rush with the orders come flooding in and every dish is different and none are simple and all of the different cooking times but must arrive on the customer's table at exactly the same time. Hot and perfect. Every second counts and you cannot be mommy. What is this? Uh, Keep your session clear. Uh, what will happen? Messy session slow kicks down. Who doesn't go? Others pile up. Disaster. I'll make this easy to remember. Keep your session clear or I will kill you. But there's no space. So if you could just go ahead and pack up your stuff and move it down there, but no, that would be terrific. I, I, I would know okay. I could stay. It, excuse me. Yeah, I, I believe you have my stapler. It, Whoever brought in the most money after six months was usually hired. Yes, hello, Chris Gardner calling you, Mr. Walter Hawk. We were all working our way up call sheets to sign clients. From the bottom to the top. From the doorman to the CEO. They'd stay till seven, but I had Christopher. I had to do six hours, but they'd do nine. Good afternoon. My name is Chris Gardner. I'm calling from Dean Witter. In order not to waste any time, I wasn't hanging up the phone in between calls. Okay, thank you very much. I realized that by not hanging up the phone, I gained another eight minutes a day. <laughs> so, I mean, we could show clips all morning about work. 
I'm sure we've got our favorites that, that we identify with. But are you, are you whistling while you go into work? <laughs> or are you just feeling like, i got to walk on eggshells because I don't want my boss to scream at me and say, whatever that lady said, uh, you know, do it or I will kill you. <laughs> if you view your work as a grind, then it just grinds the joy right out of your life. I mean, this is this is where the challenge is for most of us. Even in jobs that we enjoy, there's all, all sorts of aspects about our job that we struggle, our jobs that we struggle with, maybe that don't fill us up, that we would say, these kind of drain us. So on a scale of, of 1 to 10, how pumped are you to go into work on this scale? How pumped are you? That it's Monday, or it's Sunday, Monday's coming. How pumped are you? You're dragging yourself into work, or are you just excited? Throughout this series, we've been asking this question, why do I exist? Why do I exist? What's the purpose that God has put me here? What has he made me to do? It, this Understanding this has a broad effect on every area of our life and every circle uh, that we relate in. And so... Uh, we've been exploring the implications of Matthew uh, 22, verses 37 and 38, which is the great commandment. And in Matthew 27, or 22, Jesus said that the greatest thing we could do, the greatest purpose of our life, is to love God with our whole heart, with all of our being, with our heart, soul, and mind. And the second is to love our neighbor. This is the second greatest commandment. And so these priorities are to be number one and number two in ranking of, of what we're to do in our lives. These things give us purpose. They give us direction and meaning to every area of our life. And so in the series, we've been really applying the, the great commandment to you know, family life. We've applied it to uh, in the community and living in the community, living in our neighborhood, living uh, around people that God gives the opportunity to love and show love to. And, and we're going to find uh, wrap this series up by looking at how does this great commandment of loving God and loving others apply at work. And I want to look at an identity passage this morning that really should help us provide the backdrop that we need to have to keep the right work perspective. It comes from Jesus' most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. You find it in Matthew chapter 5. It's, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And here's what he taught. He taught that our primary identity is to be the light of the world. And that's that's at the top of your listening guide. This is this is our core identity in life. As a Christ follower, this is this is what you are. So here's part of what was said on the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus uh, said these words, "You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it up on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house." And in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who's in heaven. So I want to spend the first part of this message just sort of phrase by phrase breaking down this aspect of the Sermon on the Mount. Because this is the backdrop about our identity. And then later we'll apply this identity uh, to, to work. So notice what he says. Uh, you are the light of the world. He doesn't say you must be or you will be. He says, you are the light. The, the Greek verb here, it's, it's in the present, active, indicative. So the tense and the mood, is it's present. This is who you are. This is why I would say it's an identity statement. There's several of these found in the Bible where, where there's a description about the Christ follower in, in this present uh, sense. This is who you are. This is your core identity. 
this occasion when Jesus is, is teaching this sermon was that there was large crowds of people. In fact, the, the previous chapter, it says that the news about Jesus was spreading all over the region. People were bringing all of those who were sick to Jesus. People were bringing people or those who were afflicted to Jesus. Uh, just people who were dealing with problems were being brought to Jesus. And, and so this large crowd of people is forming around him. And at this point, he sees this crowd again forming. And it says that he went up on a mountain side and he sat down and then his disciples came to him and he begins to teach them and he, he gives this sermon and this is sort of the the third section or the third major point he's making in this uh, sermon but it, it gives us this sense that the there's a crowd but then there's these disciples there are these people that followed more closely when he goes up on a mountainside they don't just stay with the crowd they they follow after him, and they sit down. This is indicative of, of their desire to be one of his followers, to learn from him, uh, to, to follow after his ways. And so he, he doesn't say this to the whole crowd. He's really speaking at this point to his disciples, to those who've journeyed with him up a little further. He says to them, you are the light of the world. And in another phrase, he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, instead they put it on a stand. And so when you decide to follow Christ, he changes you into light, and a major purpose of your life is to give light, is to shine light around you. One guy told me after the first service, he said, hey man, lighten up. And caught me off guard, and I was like, oh, good one, that was good. Because <laughs> when I'm standing there sometimes, I'm just like, and it's not like I'm mad, but it might appear that I am. And he just said, hey, Josh, lighten up. Ah, I got you, you know. <laughs> and I thought, that's good. That's real good. Because it's, it's, it's he was applying this. He's like, I, I, I'm going to work on this, he said. I want to be more of a light. But this also means to stay out of the shadows and, and to walk in the light in this dark world. We have a new identity. It definitely shows up in the spiritual realm, but it also shows up in the day-to-day environments that we find ourselves and so we're commanded to let the light that we have shine before men. Light doesn't help anyone in the room if it's sort of hidden or covered up, as the passage, as Jesus is stating. Something I hope you take home today from this message is that our identity in Christ supersedes any other aspect of who we are. And so the roles or any other role we play, our identity is, is very important to have a full understanding of what does Jesus say about our identity if you follow him. This supersedes, these passages that are identity statements supersede the roles, the titles, the positions uh, that you hold, the major roles even that you play in life. It's easy for us to sort of build our identity around the fact that, that you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an officer. I'm a, uh, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. I'm a lawyer. I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm an owner. I'm a mom. I'm a dad. And we we can easily just attach to these titles. If you're a student, you're, you're sort of moving towards becoming a something and to, to, to retain or to hold a position or a title. And, and some of those titles and some of those roles that you play in work are highly valued in the world at large. And then some of the roles that you see in our world, you'd say, oh, that's kind of a common role. That's an ordinary role. What, what if your work or your role in life is just one of those ordinary things? How should you approach that? Some folks would, would see their work as a life sentence that I just need to live out for the rest of my days. 
is just what I got to do. But that's actually not God's perspective. You might hear a person respond like, I, I wanted to be this. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a, a professor. But I, I just I couldn't pull that off. And so now this is what I do, and, and this is who I am instead. There, there's this statement of identity that sometimes we're tempted to make, that this is, this is who I am, that my role is somehow my identity. Uh, but if you do that, if you attach yourself to that title or that role, that position, what if you arrive at a place in life where you can't do that type of role? What if, what if you uh, age out of that type of work that you once did? Health problems or age can create circumstances where you, you are not able any longer to accomplish your work and play that role that you once did and you maybe had found all sorts of value. Or what if you lose your job? You, you don't even realize it's coming. You lose your job and then you're out of that position and you try to break back into the field and, and, and all the doors are shutting. And you're like, well, my whole life is wrapped up in this thing. And that's, that's because we often confuse our roles with our primary identity. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. This is your identity. A very close friend of mine has worked for a LAPD for 19 years. And he's, he had just, a few years ago, become a motor cop. And one day, as he was heading on into work, he was on the 60 freeway. Not even really at work yet, but he's heading into work. And a Suburban cut across four lanes. He was in the carpool lane. And, and didn't see him, and, and he was ejected off his bike, nearly died, was airlifted to Loma Linda. Uh, I got the call, because he was a really close friend of mine, got the call from all sorts of people. Did you hear about Sean? No, what happened? Well, he got hit on his bike, uh, unconscious at the scene, you know, just broke, you know, both elbows, arms, wrists, knee, you know, everything was broken. He was mangled up. Ribs were were broken, nose, thyroid, cartilage, just all sorts of things. He had seven major surgeries. He lived. He lived. But he'll probably this year be medically retired because he's just not able to uh, do his job. And th- this for him, was a, was a, it was a big deal. And so this issue of wrestling with primary identity, it comes up. We don't, we don't always know when, when our treasured roles in life will just change. The scenery of, of, of the, the culture that we're living in. Sometimes jobs get replaced that we, that we thought this will be here forever, but then all of a sudden there's advancements in technology and no longer do they need your role anymore. If you're a mom, you pour all your time into your, your children and there's, there's highs and there's lows. And then there's highs and then there's lows. And you go through this and it's just challenging. You're trying to shape and, and train and invest your your time and life into these little ones, and they, they grow up, they grow older, and then they launch, and oftentimes what happens is mothers do not know what to do with themselves any longer because that role has now shifted. The season has, has changed, and, and you're still a mother, but the relationship that you had with your adult child now has, has changed. Dads, you experience the same type of role shift as your kids launch. It's different for you, but there's still... And so there's this wrestling with... What, what is life about now? What, what is, God, what do you want me to do now? So building our identity around a role or a job puts you in the danger zone, no matter how important it is. So that's why this identity issue is so important. There's a greater purpose that God has for your life than even the role you're living out right now. In fact, he wants us to do our work and play our role the very best 
in order to shine his light, as it's describing, in the darkness. If, if we don't grasp this, if we don't nail down God's purpose for our lives here and now, what happens is we live in the future or in the past. And we sort of find ourselves trying to recreate the glory days of that role in the past, or, and just, or we're discouraged in the present. So we're, we're, we're just hoping for a stepping stone into some new stage, and we, we fail to just live in the present, find ourselves disappointed between. And God, he wants us to, to purpose to, to meet him right here and right now in the present. Even in the roles that he's asked us to play, but to see that there's something greater that he's doing in our primary uh, identity. So in every season of life, we can accomplish God's purposes. Now, it says that they may see, that people around you may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That when you shine, people would be attracted to the light of your life and that they wouldn't just say, wow, he's an amazing person, she's an amazing lady. No, that they would actually direct that to your heavenly Father. It's, it's this idea of once I decide to follow Christ, my life is not just about me. It actually, I'm living my life for a greater purpose. That's the, the identity issue here. Something else that's interesting about this is Jesus says, you are the light of the world. But he's not just saying as individuals, but he's, the, the, the Greek here is a plural pronoun, you. So it's, it's you guys, in a sense. You're the light of the world. Jesus is teaching about the difference that we can make in the world as a group of people who are light. That's why it says a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's, it's you know, one individual ray of light, it, it can make, it makes an impact, but the passage is implying a bunch of rays of light in a sense. It's like a city of lights, a group of lights makes a huge difference. A single ray of light doesn't have that much power, but when you Pull them together, you can do amazing things. I want to show you a video to just illustrate this. This may be a flashback for some of you to when you were a little boy and you were burning slugs and snails on the ground. So here's a video. The power of many rays of light together. It doesn't ignite. You're waiting. Is there going to be an explosion? (laughs) When it's concentrated, light is focused through like a magnifying glass. It can it can start a fire burning. It 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 has a powerful effect. And so here's a question: How many of you here in this room came because a coworker invited you? Anyone? Or a classmate invited you? Last service there was a handful. I only saw. Okay, maybe go just quick quick. So we can see it. All right. Yeah. How about how many of you were a group of friends or a neighbor invited you? Yeah. You know, so, so some of you, that's the case. Now, maybe you decided to follow Christ. Maybe not even here. Maybe at a previous church. But maybe it, it happened because someone first introduced you to know Christ and to hear about him. But then... They introduce you to a group of people, to others who knew Christ, and collectively there's a witness that lit a fire to really want to seek God. This is a common path, is that you get to know someone in one area at work, at family, a neighbor, and then they introduce you to a group of Christians, and together that lights a fire inside to begin to seek 
This is, the, this is, again, speaking to the greater purpose that our daily grind fits into. When you're at work, you're actually representing a much larger group of people. You, if you identify yourself as a Christ follower and people know that, you're a, you're a representative. And actually, we can work together and we don't even realize it. Or we can do damage and we don't even realize it. You represent this at, at home, in your neighborhood, in the workplace. So this is the, the backdrop of, of, of how do we work uh, in, in the roles that we actually play. So, so now let's look at some of the specifics about how to be a light in our workplace. In, in the scripture, all roles are holy. The reason why is because any place you step into, God brings the nobility of who he is, and, and he sheds that. As he works through your life, you're the light of the world. So therefore, any, any role that you have is a platform for a much greater purpose. So that's why in the Bible you saw God doing amazing things through what you might describe as some common roles, some ordinary roles. God was using shepherds. He was using assistants. He was using fishermen. He was using moms and dads. He was using tax officials. He was using teachers and tent makers and on and on and on. The, you know, some are like, wow, those are amazing roles. And others you are like, well, that's kind of common. Sometimes God brought major change and would take someone out of a, a, a common role and put it into a, 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 a very, you know, a, a role that people would say, wow, that's an amazing role. Other times God would just keep them in the role that they were in prior to coming to know Christ, and he would work through their current role. You probably have heard the story about, here's an image for you, about three bricklayers who were on, on the job. Someone asked him. Hey, what are you doing? And one person said, I'm, I'm laying bricks. Another person said, I'm putting up a wall. But the third person said, I, I'm building a cathedral. He saw a greater purpose in, in his job. We can often just get lost in the details of, of the daily grind at work. And we, we don't often see the big picture of what my part of, of the workplace is contributing to, to the overall effort. So Christ followers, we have an even greater vision to live for. So whether you serve in a prominent role or an ordinary role, we need to know this. How to, how to be a light in our workplace. Look at Colossians chapter 3. If you flip there in your Bible, Paul, he's writing to the church in Colossae. Colossae is like the middle of modern day Turkey. And there was a church that had formed there and he's writing a letter to them. This is one of the church leaders writing a letter to the church. And in the first chapter, which I'm not referencing this on the screen, but in the first chapter, Paul actually talks about this reference of light. And he says to the church, I'll just read it to you from Colossians 1, verse 12. He tells them that they're qualified to share. He's talking about the identity here. God has qualified them to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Paul references the, the issue of light and darkness in almost every one of his letters. Not all, but almost uh, all of his letters. He's, he talks about this, this distinction of light and darkness. But when we understand this, then we can begin to apply it to how to live as a light in the home, how to live as a light on the block or in the workplace. And so the third chapter, he starts going through home, but he eventually gets to work. And he talks to a group of slaves, and, he, and these are indentured servants in those days. And he talks to them about how they're to relate to their masters and the masters towards their slaves. And, but you could really just think about, how does this apply to me? In my workplace, 
with my tasks, with my objectives, with my responsibilities, whether it's mom, dad, or uh, employee, or boss. Like, Think about this in terms of, of your life and your role. So look at Colossians 3.23 through 25. Paul writes, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you're serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no, there's no favoritism, Paul writes. So again, if, you're, if, you're, if you aren't punching a clock right now, then don't check out. If you're a mom, you have a significant role. There are certain relationships that you have in that role. There's responsibilities that God gives you as a mother, as a father. If you're a student, right now you're in a season where you're training. You have objectives. You have relationships to, uh, to keep clear in your relationships because you have professors. You have group partners who, when you're doing group projects, you have classmates. If you're punching a clock or you are filling out a time card, you have a job description and you have someone that's looking over you right now. If you are the boss, if you are the owner, consider again, how does this passage apply to me? So let's, let's break the passage down. First thing is put everything into the effort. That's verse 23. When we think of hard work, we often hear you know, the phrase, put your back into it. You, you know, really give it your, your best effort. But put honestly, this, this verse kicks it up so much further than just physical exertion. Verse 23, put, put everything into it. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart. I know when I'm working just sort of physically. I'm just getting it done. I'm getting the job done. And I know when I actually am working from the heart. There's a real difference. The quality of, of, of our work when we, when we really put our very best into it. We probably have memories of half-hearted attempts at work where we're like just going through the motions. Here's a picture of one. Me at work doing the bare minimum. Another way to say this is, it'll do. <laughs> it gets the job done, right? Don't even take, I don't even take the time to unwrap the door stopper from the package. Maybe I just throw it at the door and it, it, it gets it, it. It'll do. How many times do we go into work and we have sort of the, it'll do. I can't say I didn't do what they asked me to do today. I certainly, we have to ask ourselves, did I put my heart into it? Did I, did I wholeheartedly work for the Lord, not for men? Maybe we don't like what we're doing. Maybe we think, man, it's just, it seems like a stepping stone. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to get it done. I'll, I'll put my heart into it when I get the job I really want. Or I just don't like the stage right now that the company's in, or I don't like the boss that I'm working for right now, or, or I don't like the coworkers. Once they clear out the culture, then I'll, then I'll put my best effort into it. Uh, it's not what I envision. It's not what I want. But this passage keeps calling us to work to another level because you are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Whenever you do this, whenever you work at your roles and your responsibilities with all of your heart, not just at the, at the job, but when you come home and you have more responsibilities at home, what you really need after, after a good day of work is you need some rest. This is why you see that pattern in Scripture, work and rest. You see this pattern of hard work and rest and the need for that. When you pour it all out on the job and you exert yourself, God, you come to the end of your day and you're like, God, I need you to refresh me. 
I need your rest. I need your, I need, I need to be, I need you to fill me back up so I can go back in tomorrow and, and put in my best effort. Work at it with all your heart. Second, recognize who you work for. One of the reasons we struggle with putting our very best effort into it is, is we confuse this issue of who's, who's my boss. So Paul, he clarifies it in verse 23 and 24. He says, work with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. He, who, who's your boss? I mean, we're so we're used to interacting with the man, the, the boss, the, the earthly boss. And, and here's an image that might help you remember who you work for. <laughs> kind of a funny image. <laughs> It's the best I could find. <laughs> I thought maybe I shouldn't use this, but you know I'm going to use it. The reason why this might help you or it might not help you, but just hang with me for a moment. Christ is at the head of your organization. That's what this is. It's the Lord Christ you're working for. That's why it says, "Work at it with all your heart, as unto the Lord, not for men." You represent Him. You interact. You know Jesus. He wants to meet you on your work. Sight. He wants to, to, for you to remember you're, you're serving him. You are the light of the world. You represent him wherever you go. You report to an earthly boss, but you, you ultimately report to the Lord Jesus Christ if you're one of his followers. And so we need to remember that. Now something that really stands out sort of like a candle in a dark room is when you work towards your earthly boss the way you would work towards Jesus. When you, just, when you keep that clear in your mind, like I need to treat my boss as if Jesus has just you know, asked me to, to, to do this responsibility. And when you do that, it, it shines brightly. The reason why it shines so brightly is because in our country, being adversarial towards your boss is sort of consistently embedded in, in attitudes between a bickering between employers and employees. And so you have all of this fighting, ongoing bickering that goes on. That's why you know, there's this tug of war oftentimes even with with unions and I mean it's not just in this challenge we see this at the workplace as well we see it on TV we see it on social media all the time and so we have to just be really careful with our attitude and not letting a bad attitude towards our boss or towards those we work with reflect in our work quality because our light shines when we work with our whole heart another way to just light up the workplace is to is to not play in the dark to not to not move towards darkness in our patterns and our habits, to, to, to not operate where no one is really watching us, to stay out of deception, to stay out of hiding and, and games, and, uh, and just walk in the light. When you recognize, I, I'm, I'm, my mind is leading me towards something that's dark, and it's, not, it's very self-serving, get back in the light. Move into the light. Maybe you're tempted to slack off at work and start playing video games and playing games on your phone, and it's like maybe you position yourself to where... You can sort of do this, and, and you can hear someone coming and quickly get back to work. And Again, just stay in the light. Maybe you fudge a little bit, or you're tempted to fudge a little bit on the hours that you've actually worked for the week, and you're thinking, I'll, I'll make it up next week. I'll, 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 I'll fix this. Again, just walk in the light. It's tempting to just do only the part of our contract that we enjoy, but instead we ought to do it all with a whole heart. So that's really this last one. Refuse to neglect your contract. Get real clear on what that looks like for, for your role. 
What, what, are, what are you asked to do as at work? What does that look like for you as the employer, as the boss? What is your responsibility in the organization? If you're a mom, if you're a dad, what is your responsibility as a mom, as a dad? Get real clear from God's word on this issue. Get real clear from your job description, which is really, for a Christ follower, that's a holy document. That's a sacred document, the job description. To get to, get to know that, what are the expectations What's Jesus asking me to do today? You want to know the contract really well. The encouragement here is to make sure you play your role well through your duties. God works through your bosses even to bless your life or to bring consequences your way. That's what verse 25, if you can pull up verse 25 again. Anyone who does wrong, Paul writes, will be repaid for his wrong. There will be no favoritism. Christians... Christ followers won't be let off the hook. There's no partiality here. Don't think, well, I'm good with God. Me and God are good. and It ain't so good at work, but me and God are good. No, it's, it's, God doesn't give us a special arrangement if you're a Christ follower. He wants you to work with all of your heart unto him as you follow well the people that God's placed over you. I'd encourage you to just take some time to think through this, these two passages. And maybe uh, there's a blank line at the bottom there on the next steps. If there's something specific God has uh, clarified for you this morning. I'd encourage you to, to take note of that. Maybe just take one point of application that you intend to apply this week and then spend some time praying through that this week and, and bringing that to him. A few other things you can consider is memorizing Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as, as working for the Lord, not for men. Or look for ways to go beyond what is expected, what's beyond even your job description. How can you go even further? That'll stand out. That's light in the darkness. Let's, let's pray as we uh, continue. Father, thank you for these two passages of Scripture. First from Jesus, just seeing this identity issue of being light in this world. I thank you for rescuing us from the dominion of darkness and transferring us to the kingdom of light. Lord, thank you for placing us in the very roles that you have. Lord, the, the roles that we have been assigned right now. They may change through the years, but Lord, thank you for the roles, the responsibilities, the jobs that you've given us, the assignments. Lord, we thank you for the for these, and we pray that we would be pleasing to you right now in the present. God, show us anything that needs to be corrected in our minds first, and then, Lord, help that to flow out into the way we, uh, the way we respond and apply this to work today, tomorrow, as, as we get rolling in these areas, Lord. We need your help. Thank you for these reminders in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.